everybody, guess what? Breaking news, it's Doable Discipleship. That's right, it is a Tuesday. We're coming at you with, um, you know, it's just gonna be great. So, so this intro part will be super quick. I'm Jason, Brandon, you're here, say hi. What's going on everyone? Cool, this is Doable Discipleship, um, which is uh, the show that helps you deepen your faith or as our good old friend Doug Jones will say, the show that helps you grow. Oh, yeah. You were so excited to get to say that, weren't you, Doug? Oh, dude, I did not know you were going to toss that to me. I, I was hit with a rush of nostalgia that I almost couldn't handle. I know. And I've gotten the intro part down a little bit. The show that helps you deepen your faith. I always mess that up and said that helps you, you deepen your friendship with God. But I, you know, I fixed it up. <laughs> hey, you guys are making it your own, and I'm 100% on board with that. That's a real, awesome. well, good. Guys, that's right. Our good old friend Doug is back. We like to call him the prodigal Doug. He's returned from his stint in the desert. And, he's uh, back he is, in the father's house. He's back. <laughs> <laughs> he's making it sound like I've switched teams. Like I've, No, he's, like still, he's still, still with his new team. But this is his first time back on Doable in a year and three, a year and four months. I think a year and five yeah, months. maybe maybe some longtime listeners will share my my shock that it's taken this long to be invited back on. I'm, I've been really trying hard not to take any of that personally. And well, the and... show's been growing so well without you that we didn't want to jinx. <laughs> We've it. been booming. Yeah, <laughs> we, didn't want to, we call Doug the old stick in the spokes. That <laughs> um, anyway, we are excited to have Doug back for this episode, and so. We're going to set the stage a little bit here. Um, last week from when we are recording this, um, or two weeks ago, I don't remember what it was, Doug um, shared in uh, one of our staff meetings and was just kind of, it, it was, he, he was explaining to us or, or uh, talking us through the journey he's been on uh, the past year or so, and not vocationally, but um, emotionally and spiritually and just kind of the season of of growth that he's been in and so i mean everybody just kind of you know was talking about how how awesome it was and that that it was just so um important for them it spoke to lots of different people in all the different places that they're at and so we reached out to doug and said doug we would love for you to come back and just kind of share what's been for as as doug mentioned for our long time listeners it's kind of a bridge to kind of a cool update on kind of what's been going on with you but for our newer listeners too who may not um have listened back to when you were on the show um but it's kind of a it's still a great learning and discipleship opportunity to talk about what emotional growth looks like and kind of internal spiritual growth looks like so doug if you could um kind of Give us some background a little bit and then just kind of share a little bit about about the stuff that you had shared with us. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I, I think I'm just one of many people who has experienced uh, an emotional health roller coaster and journey in the last 12 months. I think uh, a lot of us ex have experienced different versions of that. But I think um, for those of us who maybe spent a big chunk of our lives not aware of our emotional life or not aware of our emotional health. I think 2020 just had so many unique 
or heightened uh, moments that that really, I think, caused a lot of us to face some of the things that were in our hearts that we maybe just didn't see before or maybe didn't have to see because things were maybe easier or more comfortable or more familiar. Um, so, you know, when I talked to staff, um, you know, last week, I, I kind of had that sensation that I'm probably just saying a lot of stuff that a lot of us have been feeling and that's pretty familiar. When you asked me to come onto the show today, I, I thought back to, because Doable and, and the spiritual growth team at, at Saddleback has for a long time placed a big emphasis on emotional health and yeah. understood that that's a big part of the spiritual journey. In fact, I don't even know if you can separate those two things. You know, I mean, I used to think like, yeah, if you don't have emotional health, your spiritual growth will be stunted. But more and more, I'm wondering whether you can even make a very clear distinction between emotional health and spiritual health because they're so intertwined and, and related to each other that it's almost, I think, hard to tell where one ends and the other begins. Mm. But, you know, for me, that journey has, uh, has been interesting because for all those episodes that, that you and I recorded with guests <laughs> and the two yeah. of us, and we talked so much about emotional health. And to, to be quite honest, when I look back on those episodes, they were great because the people we had on were so smart and, and knew this and had already journeyed so much on this emotional health pathway um, that they had such great things to say. But if I'm, if I'm honest, when I look back on our recordings, it always felt a little foreign to me because like, I, I kind of felt like I was a spectator, like outside, even though I was in the middle of the conversations, I felt like I was kind of on the outside looking in because they sure. would describe they would describe their inner life or describe these practices or these experiences of, of intense emotional um, understanding and, and discovery. And when we would have those conversations looking back, um, I just remember having a feeling of, I don't feel like I've got that yet. I don't, I don't feel like I've really entered into that part of my heart yet mm -hmm. or, or I just had the sensation of that's really great stuff. And I hope this helps people, but it didn't really, it didn't really hit me like, Oh my gosh, like sure. <laughs> I have a serious, I have some serious emotional problems that need to be, that need to be looked at. I, I honestly just kind of like mentally insulated myself from it. So this last year for me has been one where um, I've just had to come to grips with some things that, that I kind of pretended weren't there and it's involved looking at trauma from childhood and, and, you know, things that really hurt things that I didn't really classify as trauma at the time, things I didn't really think of like, yeah, we all, we all go through some things. So I sort of always diminished, you know, my upbringing thinking like, well, everybody goes through stuff and a lot of people go through a heck of a lot worse stuff than I've been through. So I never really took the time to really examine what those things did to my heart and to my mind and the way I, the way I interpret the world. There were a few experiences in 2020 and they weren't the experiences that you might think they would be. I mean, it wasn't really COVID or fear of health per se. I don't really, I don't really have a fear of getting sick or, or things like that. Um, it was funny little things that I wouldn't have thought would cause so much anxiety to happen. Um, it was little things like being on a road trip and for whatever reason, feeling really scared and unsafe as I'm taking my family down the road and um, things like, um, you know, my kids now reaching the age that I was when, when some of the most painful things in my life happened that, that impacted me at a young age. And so now I'm sort of reliving those, that season of life through my kids and the intensity that that brought. But at the end of the day, I, I kind of came 
I came toward the end of the year realizing or understanding that in a lot of ways, I'm still the very nervous little, little boy that I was 30 years ago. And that influences my daily life in, in some pretty intense ways. I feel it in my body. I feel it in the way I um, respond to the world. And um, yeah, so for me, it's just been really the year of understanding that I actually have an emotional life and that that's not just something that other people have, but that I have that too. And, and it's not, it's not really uh, my house is not really in order in terms of my emotional life. And so, yeah. So one thing I'll say at the outset, as we start off the conversation is uh, I, I do, I feel like an emotional infant in a lot of ways, and I'm just figuring this stuff out and starting to kind of understand. I, I feel like, like, you know, there's like that point where kids sort of become self-aware and self-conscious and, mm-hmm. you know, they sort of become mm-hmm. aware of their own existence. And I feel like I'm at that stage emotionally where I'm just waking up to the fact that there's emotional work to be done and that there are emotional realities that, that I've, that I've got to lean into and let God lead me into. And, and that process has begun and it's been a very sweet and hard process with a lot of tears. And I was telling staff that um, I just cry all the time now. Like I, I almost can't even like jump in the car and go to the gym or, or make it all the way home. If I put a song on that has any emotional value at all, crying immediately, <laughs> it just, it just comes out. Even my wife has been like, yeah, like, you used to go months without crying. Now, if I can go 24 hours, that's something. And they're mostly sweet tears. You know, God's just doing things. And it's not like a, it's, they haven't been a lot of uh, bitter grieving tears, although there have been some of those. Um, but it's just, I feel like God has kind of broken my my heart wide open. And now I'm, ha- I'm just looking at things and I'm figuring stuff out and I'm letting him um, lead me into hard questions. And I've got mentors and counselors who are, helping me with that as well. And so it's, it's just been a really cool, painful, hard, um, but good and very fatherly process on God's part that I, I'm mm-hmm. grateful for. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, Doug, what would you say was the catalyst for helping you kind of understand, Oh, I'm in this season. Like, this is a thing like, mm-hmm. Was there a flame that started or, or something that you can even like look back and trace on and be like, this is when I knew I was in for a reckoning right now kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think there was, I referenced, um, I referenced um, a road trip earlier mm-hmm. and Joyce and I last summer when we were kind of, we kind of had like a little bit of a break from sort of the cold weather and we started getting into June and if you guys remember summer, like COVID kind of, let off the gas a little bit you know mm-hmm. there was still a lot going on yeah there was still a lot of you know there was still a lot of transmission and stuff going on but it kind of like we kind of hit a bit of an oasis there where it's like okay summertime warm weather things were looking pretty good you could actually get out and do a few things and well and this was the context that you were supposed to be in rome last summer too but that didn't <laughs> right that, we weren't quite that <laughs> we weren't quite that opened up uh yeah that was a funny story joyce we were supposed to be there in may for our anniversary and up till like late april joyce was still like maybe COVID maybe will we can do there. it <laughs> yeah yeah it didn't quite happen <laughs> sure didn't but anyway, we were able to do this road trip and we have this little camper trailer and we were, we were going out and that trip for whatever reason, like it was like, I had my wife and my kids in the car and I don't know what it was, but there was just a strong 
strong anxiety on that trip that I felt in waves. Um, you know, we'd be out on this open highway and I'd be dealing with these fears of like, what if we broke down here and it's hot and we're in the middle of nowhere. I don't have cell service. I've got my wife and two kids who I'm responsible for and I've got to look after them. And do we have enough water? And I just started getting hit with all these feelings of like, things aren't okay. Things aren't okay. I'm not safe. My family's not safe. And um, it was a pretty intense it was a pretty intense experience. And, and my wife, Joyce was like, she was instrumental through that because she was like the one, like, it's, it's okay, babe. Like if this happens, this is how we'll solve it. It's, it's, we're fine. We're fine. But I did not have the sense of being fine at all. And it actually wasn't until we finally got to our ultimate destination, which was, which was in um, Montana, just outside Yellowstone. And when I got around my family, like my dad was there, my stepmom was there. And it was funny, like being around my dad again, kind of made all that anxiety go away, but it just started opening up conversations about like, I just don't feel safe a lot of the time. And I can't, and I feel scared when there's not really any real good reason to be scared. And where is all this coming from? And, and thankfully, um, you know, I get to have conversations with Ken Baugh pretty often who you guys have had on the show. I think you had him on the show. Yeah. Very recently. Um, yep. Just a brilliant pastoral dude and really understands emotional health. He's been instrumental in kind of helping me understand some of these things too. But that trip, I kind of came back to Ken afterwards and Beals, and I was just like, dude, like, I experienced some really intense emotions on this trip, and I don't, I'm not sure why, because it didn't feel like there was any good reason for it. And he started probing with questions about, about my childhood and uh, moments of not feeling safe and um, this kind of stuff. And so as he leaned into that and started asking questions, it kind of broke things wide open, and, and it's kind of been ongoing ever since. Um, and, and since then, um, it's just been that continued work with Joyce and, um, and with him. And, uh, I'd say that was kind of the catalyst. And from there it's been, now it's just been unpacking that further and realizing, trying to get to the bottom of how complicated that stuff really is. And what, what the, I guess what, I guess part of it is, is having somebody who's been asking really insightful questions because I didn't know. I didn't really know how to access a lot of that stuff and how to, how to even really have that conversation. I don't think I really had language for it. Um, but having people like Ken in my life who, who've been able to say, well, what do you, what's the real emotion that you're feeling? Or I hear you saying you're, you're angry, but what are you sad about? And sort of reframing things um, that really changed. So I think one big catalyst is just having community, having people who, uh, who love me and who are, are, able to ask really helpful questions um, to help me unlock those doors that I, that I was powerless to get, to get open on my own. I'm curious, Doug, do you, you just said like those doors that you're powerless to get through on your own, were you conscious of those doors? Um, did you know like, okay, they're there, but I don't really know what to, how to handle it, what to do with it. So I'm just going to look this way. Um, and yeah, I, kind of I what was the role of that? Yeah, go, go, go ahead. That's a good question. I, I think for a long time, I wasn't conscious of those doors, period. I think that those, I, I just sort of assumed that those parts of my heart were totally inconsequential. And I didn't really mm -hmm. think that they needed exploring. It was like, yeah, these things happen. Like, yeah, my parents got a divorce. And yeah, I remember when you know, I remember that moment that my mom told me that that was happening. And I remember, you know, 
but I kind of just was like, no big deal. Like that, I just put that stuff aside. Yeah, I remember those feelings of, I remember crying myself to sleep at night. I remember that stuff, but that's all like ancient history, you know? So it's kind of like those doors, I, I, I guess I knew they were there. I just didn't think there was anything behind them that was even worth looking at, you know, it's just like, wow. yeah, it's, it's so far in the past, you know? Um, but then I started, you know, having these really intense feelings, you know, and I read, I read a book that Ken recommended me called living from the heart. Jesus gave you. Um, it's a really brilliant book that, that listeners should check out if they want to, if they want to go on a wild emotional ride of discovery and, uh, but it's, you want to take the pill. Yeah. It, it, yeah. You can't really, it's like those, it's like that stuff you just can't unsee. It's like, once you enter into that, it's hard to, it's hard to hit reverse and and back away, you know? So it's like, once you start going down that hill, it's happening, but it's a really beautiful, gentle book about how we recover from past pain within the context of loving Christian community and friendship. Um, But to get back to your question, I didn't really think there was anything worthwhile or worth exploring behind those doors. But then with time, I, I started having these intense emotions and, anxiety that I'd feel in my gut and just all, all this stuff. And, and that kind of started pointing, kind of shining a light on these things. Like, you know, people aren't supposed to feel this way so much of the time, you know, yeah. And what I would call being quote stressed out or feeling quote nervous about something. Like I didn't mm. want to use the word anxiety because anxiety felt like a diagnosis. And it's like, mm. I don't, I'm not an anxious person. I don't, I don't have anxiety. So I would just put other words on it, but the more and more I experienced it, the more I was like, dang, this is anxiety, man. Like there's no, there's no two ways about this. This, this stinks. This is painful. This is, this is, this is interfering with my daily life in some ways. And at certain times it's, it's even interfering with my ability to, to do my job at the standard that I would like to, or, or at least to do my job with the sense of peace that I would like to. Yeah. Um, but I think for a long time, I just assumed that like, well, this is just part of, this is just part of my makeup and this is part of how life's going to be. Um, but with time I, and with good question askers in my life, I started kind of learning that actually this is stuff that's rooted in the past and that can be uncovered and dealt with and, and healed with time um, if I'll give it the appropriate attention. And, and so that, that's when I started realizing like, okay, maybe there's actually stuff behind those doors that's, that's worth digging into. And, you know, maybe if I don't, I'm going to be feeling, I'm going to be suffering this way for a lot longer if I don't just go ahead and dive in and begin this process. And so, yeah, uh, accessing that stuff was important, but also I I had to come to a point where I actually believed that there was something worth discovering. So how did you, Yeah. you you know, because you said it's, it's a process and you had to get to the point of saying, I'm going to dive in. So, how did you basically get yourself prepped for knowing that this is going to take time? This is going to be a process and, uh, you know, it's going to, it's going to not be fun (laughs) most of the time, but if you can just walk people through a little bit of kind of how the, how you prepared yourself for the undertaking. Yeah, that's a really good question. I, I, I didn't prepare myself for it. And I don't think I knew how to anyway. I mean, if, if someone had come to me and said, you're about to go through the following emotional journey, prepare yourself. 
<laughs> I wouldn't have even known what to do to, to prepare myself for that. I, I, so unfortunately, or fortunately, I didn't really know exactly what I was walking into when I walked into it. I, and maybe that was a blessing because maybe I wouldn't have walked through it if I had known. Um, I don't know. I guess I, I just chalk that up to God's relationship to time and our relationship to time. And he knows the future and we don't. And that's a blessing because to know the future would be to fear the future. And um, mm. I, I don't know. I just, I didn't prepare myself. And I, I wonder if I would have even taken the first step if I had known what I was in for. Um, I think God knew what needed to happen. And I think, I think he did some preparation work in me, but I think the majority of what he did to prepare me was just to break down the sense of, in, of invincibility that I had um, so that I would be receptive to that journey. Cause he did bring me to a place where I was like, okay, I'm not doing that hot. And um, so I guess the only preparation was on God's part where he just sort of, and I don't, and I don't want to, I, I want to make sure I use like appropriate language here for what God was doing. Cause it wasn't like there was this violent process of breaking me down or anything like that, but it did feel like a fatherly disciplinary intense, but loving and kind, but also unrelenting effort on God's part to see to it that I looked at these things and, um, and then I began asking those questions. So no, I, I can't say that I prepared myself. I, 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 I just kind of felt like it was a current that God was in control of and I wasn't. And I just, I just kind of had to go with it. And like I said, it's like, once that started, it's like, it, it, you know, it's like river raft, rafting. Like you might be able to paddle a little bit to the left or a little bit to the right, but you sure can't paddle upstream. It's happening. <laughs> and that's, <laughs> there's stupid. no going back. <laughs> yeah, I, I felt like it was a current that I kind of was powerless to fight. And um, and, and that was okay. Because again, I, I, I sensed God's presence all the way through it. And I was grateful for what he was doing because I could, I could feel and I can feel now that he's, that he's healing me, that he's making me whole. But it's not a fun process. And God doesn't promise us that it's going to be. Um, C.S. Lewis talks about this, you know, like, you know, if a new owner comes into the house, uh, you know, if you picture a house that's like self-aware and has feelings, you know, he uses this analogy that, you know, the house is probably pleased for the new owner to come in, you know, of course the new owner being, being God. So this is a parable of God coming into our lives and, and beginning the process of renovating us, you know, and he, he talks about how, you know, the house might be pleased to see some new paint on the walls or, or maybe some new furniture or some new fixtures and little things here and there. Um, but what about in, if in fact the, the new owner comes in and actually starts knocking out walls and, and, you know, ripping out plumbing and doing all the painful, hard, arduous things that come with, with a deep renovation. Um, mm. You know, that, that's, that's kind of the process I've been on. And, you know, C.S. Lewis says, you know, we might wish that God would come into our lives and lead us into something that's less difficult or in his words, less arduous, but that is not the kind of love that God has for us. He has a transforming fatherly love that's interested in changing us at, at the most fundamental levels. And that just isn't fun. Sometimes the, 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 the process of becoming a new creation is not an easy one. It's not a rosy <laughs> journey. It's, it's painful because it involves rooting out 
so many deeply held beliefs, so many deeply felt emotions and, um, and sin in our lives and, and so many hard things that don't just come up out of the soil easily, but sometimes have to be ripped out with, uh, like I said, not violence, but with a definite, um, determination to get it out. And that that's been the process. And <laughs> I feel like as I'm talking, I'm scaring people away from the process. I, I, I hope, I hope I'm balancing, um, how arduous it is with also how good and how, um, how, how, how beautiful the process is too, because now I'm, I'm starting to feel like as God works in my life in waves, like he, he, he'll, he'll lead me into something intense and then he'll usually kind of back off a little bit and let me sort of catch my breath. And then he'll lead me into something intense and then back off again. Now I feel like I'm sort of, he's kind of letting me come up for air for a minute. Uh, and then I'm able to look back with the perspective of, thank you for doing that, God. Like it was painful, but I'm so grateful that you helped me to see those things because I don't want to be the kind of person that's oblivious to all the most significant parts of his heart, you know? Hmm. Yeah. Were you, so were you like, was there an awareness there? You know, you're saying like now you can kind of sense God's goodness, God's kindness in it, though it wasn't easy, but in the moment, was there an awareness of, okay, God, this really hurts, but I'm trusting that this is coming from a place of goodness and kindness and love towards me? Or was it like, God, what the heck are you doing? And why are you allowing things to unfold this way? That's a really good question. The, the answer is yes, there was an awareness in it. Um, I, I, I would chalk that up to a couple things. For one, um, this may be the most intense <clears throat> bout with emotional health that I've experienced, but I, I have followed Jesus long enough to have been through other intense, difficult seasons with him. And um especially the ones that have happened in the last, say, five years, um, they've really helped me. They've really changed my whole approach when God leads me to something tough. When I know he's leading me into something tough and I can sense that this is this is God ramping up for the next season of, of growth in me, um, I do have a sense of his goodness in that, where I, I wouldn't say that I always did. Before, or at, and in younger years or in, in earlier seasons, I felt a lot more anger. Now mm. I feel less anger in those moments and more, I still feel sad and I still feel hurt. And sometimes I do feel angry when I'm feeling those things because no one likes to feel that way. And you get tired and cranky about, yeah. about how life is. But um, increasingly when, when he leads me into seasons like that, I do have an awareness that, all right, I see what you're doing. I'll submit to it. And interestingly, the seasons have tended to get shorter because I resist them less now. Where before I was like, no, like I don't want that. I don't want to be led down this road or, you know, or I'm angry that you're not, that you're making me go here when where I want to go is here. Um, I, I feel less and less of that now because it's just through repetition, you know, as God, as God continues that process with you once and again and again and again over time you start to kind of acclimate to that process and um so i think that's a big part of it um 
and, and part of why I'm able to see God in it more easily now, because I'm like, here we go again. <laughs> he's done this before and he's going to do it again. And I'm sure there's going to be several more of these down the road. <laughs> I see you buckling me yeah. up again for this fun ride we're about to take. <laughs> yeah. God, why have you just fastened my seatbelt? What's about that? <laughs> um, you know, there, there's something that, um, really long time listeners will remember a conversation we had a long time ago with Carolyn Baker, a very Mm -hmm. wise lady who, um, who our first one or second one. Well, actually, yeah, we had her on twice. That's right. Uh, And I've had some great conversations with Carolyn, just, just one-on-one over the years. And she talked about um, when I kind of went through the last big uh, sort of dark night of the soul, um, tough, like season of, 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 of growth and leading from God. She talked about how when she comes out of seasons like that now, and, and she's an older lady and she's, she's way further down the, the spiritual growth road than, than any of us are. And she said, you know, I miss those now when those seasons come to an end, mm-hmm. those hard seasons come to an end. I miss those because um, even though those seasons are really hard, the sense of God's presence is so intense and so close in those experiences that you almost grieve the end of it because you know that God's kind of saying, okay, that's it for now. And he kind of lets you continue on the journey for a bit. Not that he leaves or whatever, but there's a sense of, there's a sense of until next time, kind of, kind of attitude or, or feeling about it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm kind of like starting to understand what that feels like. I mean, even now I feel like I'm in a different emotional place than I was going into teaching that staff meeting just a week or two ago. And um, I feel like God's letting off the gas a little bit. And, and that that's perfect. That's perfectly fine with me. But anyway, the other thing that I think um, prepares or like um, helped increase that awareness is having good people in my life, godly people who are able to help me keep seeing God's activity in the middle of those seasons. So it doesn't just feel like the chaos or, um, or it, it doesn't feel like the pain is just abject, pointless pain, but you have people in your life who keep contextualizing what you're going through mm. into the family of God and into the kingdom and into God's work of transforming the heart, you know? So when you have people that keep, that help you like kind of nudge your perspective back to the truth about what God's doing, that it helps you. It, it just helps you keep your eye on the ball, you know, and, and not, and not start despairing and um, believing things that are just untrue. So yeah, you gotta have truth tellers in your life that really love you and that know Jesus closely, preferably, preferably who are more mature than you, who can kind of help you get your perspective back on track when, when things start sliding off the rails. Yeah. How, Doug, how um, how would you say that this season has impacted your most intimate relationships, like with your wife, you know, with Joyce? Um, how has has this season kind of grown you as a husband? But uh, I, I think I'm 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 probably more pointedly, given that so much of what you're been going back through is stuff from childhood, and as you said in many ways, you're still the, the insecure three-year-old or, or five-year-old or whatever I, I think you had mentioned earlier. How has it um, impacted your parenting in this season? Do you see yourself approaching things a little differently or do you see yourself 
thinking things different, uh, you know, about, about these relationships a little differently or how have you seen that navigated? Yeah. I'll start with the kids and the parenting stuff and then I'll work back to the marriage. Um, with the kids, um, a, a big part of it has been, you know, now that I'm wrestling through the stuff that I went through and my kids are, are similar in age to when I went through that stuff, they've really accentuated the feelings because I look at them and I go, I can't imagine seeing them go through that, you know, and it, it, it has caused me to, that that's what's kind of accentuated the feelings in my own heart, but with them, um, there, there's a, a message that I'm trying to convey to them. Um, first of all, I want them to feel safe in their attachment to me and to Joyce. And I want to make sure that they don't ever have to feel those things. I don't want, I don't want my kids to grow up and have the same anxieties that I have. I, if, if at all possible, I want to help them feel secure and important and um, grounded and all those things. Um, so yeah, there's an interplay there where they've caused, they've not caused, but they've they've sort of shined a light on some of the things that I need to work through. Um, but it also causes me to circle back and and ask the questions about like what is what is it that's getting triggered inside of me that's causing me to react to them the way that I do, um, or why am I being so uptight with them? Because like I can tend to be a, you know, a pretty um, stern and perfectionistic dad. I mean, it's, it's part of my personality type. And I, and partly again, it, like I try to create order within my world because the more control I can exert over the reality around me, the less anxiety that I have to feel. Like I can mitigate my fear by claiming as much control over my surroundings as I possibly can. And I do that with my kids and that, and I'm, a, I'm becoming keenly aware that the more perfectionistic I am with my kids, the more likely it is that they will one day feel those similar anxieties around perfection in their own world. And what I don't want to do is convey to my kids this sense of, because you can say one thing, but make someone feel another. Mm -hmm. um, and I constantly tell my kids how much I love them. And I'm very affectionate with them. And I'm, I'm very close with them. And I, I think I think I'm a good dad for the most part. But there are also moments where I realize, like, I'm coming down too hard on them for things that just aren't important. And I don't want to instill in them the same sense of not enough, not enough, not good enough. And uh, I recognize that I'm in danger of doing that. So there's, there's a real work that's, that I, I've got to do there, too. Because um, I want my kids to know not just that they're my kids and not just that I love them, but that they make me happy. You know, that's one of the things that came out of, uh, of that uh, living from the heart Jesus gave you, uh, book. And, um, there's a quote in it. Let's see if I can find, it. I think I have it written down here somewhere. Um, yeah, it says some neurologists now say that the basic human need is to be the sparkle in someone's eye, that what a kid and indeed what any person needs most is to know that there's somebody on this earth who is pleased just at the simple fact that you exist, their face lights up when they see you, you know, and, uh, and I don't know that I'm, that I succeed at, at making my kids feel that all the time, you know, 
they know I love them. I tell them all the time and I show them by providing for them and all these, all these great things. But, but do they know that they make me happy? Do they see my face light up or, or, is, or when I walk in the door, is it, uh, why is this on the floor? Why is that spilled in the kitchen? Or, you know, why hasn't that been cleaned up or so there's, there's that, um, with, with our marriage, it's interesting because, you know, I think Joyce has felt like, you know, over the course of our marriage, like she's, she's confessed to me before that she feels like she's always leaning on me and, um, and not the other way around, but interestingly, and I always used to tell her this and looking back, I was like, I don't know, was I just saying that to make her feel better or was, was God like, was God subtly sort of prophesying about the future when I, <laughs> when I said those things, but I used to tell her, you know, I used to say one day there's going to come a time when it's going to flip and I'll be the one leaning on you and you'll be the one, you'll be the one holding me up. And, but frankly, when I said those things many times over the years, I don't know that I really entirely believe that I, I figured I kind of like, feel better. Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> to an extent, I, I think that probably was my motive, but also I probably I think I was thinking more along the lines of like, well, one day, like, you know, I don't have the best like um, genes in terms of health. Like we have heart problems in my family and cancer and all sorts of stuff. So part of me, I was thinking one day I'm probably going to be sick and she's going to be taking care of me and, and I'll be leaning on her then. But the prophecy has kind of fulfilled itself a little more, a little sooner than that, <laughs> because what's really changed in our marriage is, is there's a lot because I'm in a more honest and emotionally raw state more of the time now um i find myself leaning on her emotionally a lot more where i really look to her for care and comfort and encouragement and support where before i think she felt like doug's got everything together and he's he's solid as a rock and and i'm over here with you know struggling with things and he's always helping me and um but this has really been a season of like Doug, not no solid rock. <laughs> Doug, is a, Doug is like, Doug is about as, uh, Doug's like more like a water balloon than, than a solid rock. <laughs> and, um, and that's been good because it's, it's given her the opportunity to, to be the support for me. So I feel like it's actually encouraged a lot more emotional equality in our marriage because mm. we both look to each other now and, I genuinely depend on her for support and I consider her to be just a, oh man, here I go with the tears <clears throat> with a, I consider her to be a, a true gift to me. And um, yeah, it's, it's sort of, it's brought a lot of, uh, yeah, I just, it's really equalized our marriage in a lot of ways where now it's not one depending on the other. It's, it's two who, have become one and are interdependent in a, in a really cool way. So yeah, that's been another unintended, but good yeah. consequence. We'll ask David to cut this part out and send it to Joyce specifically, you know, as you know, just a little, <laughs> we'll see what your husband is saying about you. <laughs> mm, that's cool. Um, I, I just had, I had one more thing I really wanted to, touch base on it. it's something that you've mentioned quite a bit but um it's kind of i guess we can look at it in, in terms of like the doable kind of portion of of this one but but you talked a lot about the people that you had in your life and specifically you talked about ken um i wanted if you could kind of 
talk a little bit about the role of mentor in your life um, as you've you've had a series of mentors throughout your life I know but um, in this season it was more it's it, it served kind of a more appointed point and it led into this as you said it was one of the catalysts was those probing questions so if you could mm. kind of bring home again kind of the role of mentor and because it's something that we've talked about on the show but it's always a great encouragement is to look towards those people who you can allow to speak into your life and and, and you can see the benefits of it yeah um i can't say enough about the the power and the importance of mentors um i think when I look back on like the broad story of my life, the mentors that God's brought into my life have been, I mean, I, well, I mean, it began with having great parents and, and despite my parents divorcing and stuff, I had great parents who were, who were attentive and loving and, and taught me a lot and raised me up so well uh, in so many ways. Um, great grandparents and, you know, my dad just, you know, teaching me what it means to be a, a man and to, um, to be a man in all the best senses and, um, and all that good stuff. But then God has also brought in all these bonus mentors into my life over the years who have each brought something of unique and special value into my world that I, that I didn't have on my own, you know? And so for a season, it was figuring out what life and ministry was like and, and how to get started. And then uh, for a season, it's been about uh, an ex examples of great marriages to learn from. And then for a season, it was about um, you know, learning how to, um, how to pastor in a way that is really attuned with God and to spirit. And, um, you know, and then for a season, it's been about, um, you know, learning from, from people who know how to, you know, manage the complexity of life while still cultivating rest and, um, uh, while still, um, allowing God to shape them and instead of being shaped by, you know, the, the tough challenges of life. And, and now with Ken, it's about, it's about uncovering the hidden parts of my heart that are hurting and causing my, my, my emotional life to, to, to go off the rails. And, um, so I, I'm a big fan of, of lots of mentors. Um, but, it, it, but, you know, in my life, it hasn't been a whole bunch of mentors all at once. It's tended to be a season of intense learning from this person. And then that relationship changes or whatever, or, or the circumstances of life change. And then God's brought new people into my life. And consistently over time, he's supplied me with the people that I needed to learn from um, and be changed by in, in those unique seasons. So I think it's interesting that way. I, I don't know if everyone experiences that or if some people have like life i mean i still consider all my mentors to be lifelong friends and i still go to them i still go to all of them for advice on various things but you know for me it's been this great layering where god will say okay you're you're here now and you need you need development in this area and he's consistently supplied me with the people that that will help me hmm. along that leg of the journey um so I don't know if I'm hitting on your question, but I'll, oh, I'll just say I'm extremely grateful for the mentors that I do have. And, um, you know, whatever, whatever maturity there is in me, a huge percentage of that um, 
my mentors have had the hand in a huge percentage of that. They, they've been the people that, that God has used um, maybe most powerfully to, to shape me in my, at least in my adult life. So yeah, get one. I mean, <laughs> pray for one. Ask God to bring the right person into your life. Yeah, or if there's somebody who, uh, if there's somebody who you got your eye on, who's like, man, I know I can learn from this person. Approach that person. Be proactive. Do something. With Ken, I reached out to Ken and I said, hey, I don't think I'm okay right now. Uh, here's what I'm wrestling with, and he very generously decided to give me some of his time and and start pouring into me, and that was extremely um, formative for me. Um, so it, at certain times, God may drop somebody in your lap. That's just the person you need to learn from. And other times you may need to be proactive. Um, but I would encourage everybody to participate in that process. Um, yeah. One thing we can all agree on is that we each bear substantial responsibility for our own faith and for our own choices and for our own future and for our own spiritual growth. Um, growth doesn't, that God doesn't like do growth to you exclusively, although he does have his work to do through his spirit. There is a, there's a participation process that we've got to, that we've got to live into. Um, so maybe you got to be proactive if you're like, well, God has never given me anybody like that. Well, I would just ask, I would ask first that God would open your eyes to someone yeah. in your life that might be that person that you just don't know about and, um, and, and pursue a friendship and, and see how God may lead it from there. That's cool. That's good. That's really good, Doug. Doug, I would love for you to share the verse that you shared when you spoke to staff, the Mark 111. Um, I thought that was such a powerful moment. Uh, I think it was like, yeah, when Jesus is getting baptized, like, you, you are my son whom I love with you. I'm, I'm well pleased. Um, could you just briefly talk about the significance of with you? I'm well pleased. Um, I mean, I, I when I was listening to you share that, I felt like God speaking to me of like, are you listening to this? Do you, do you know that I like you <laughs> and you bring me joy and I'm happy to be with you? And that was, I mean, I got off that call. I should have texted you, but I got off that call. And I was just, I had to take a few moments just to kind of sit, like, just sit with it and almost go like, God, yeah. Are you like, really <laughs> all the time? Are you sure? Um, could you just share a, a, a bit of that with us before we wrap? Yeah, for sure. I, I, I would, I would hate for this call to end without it because it, that, that really was kind of the, the verse that culminated that particular sprint of emotional growth and, and, and all that. Um, you, you said it perfectly when you, you pointed out the dichotomy between loving and liking. Um, mm know you love me do you like me um that i think is a really fundamental distinction um yeah mark 111 like you said is is um where we have the moment you know mark uh 1 9 and 10 is where jesus is baptized and you know he visits visits john the baptist jordan he's he's, he's baptized and mark 111 is where he's lifted up out of the water and and it says as he's coming up out of the water that the heavens opened up and, and what it says exactly uh, in the Mark account. And, and this is given in, in um, Luke um, and Matthew's gospels as well. So this story is pretty well corroborated by the other gospels. So we, we're, we're, you know, we pretty much get the exact same depiction each time. But it says a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son 
and you bring me great joy or other translations say, you know, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased or you know, various renderings. But I, um, yeah, I really got stuck on that verse in my quiet time a couple months ago and um, started kind of journaling about it a little bit, which I don't usually do. I, I really only journal if something really, really gets me. And I feel like I got to capture that because if I ever forget that, it'll be a loss. Um, mm. But as I looked at it, there were there are basically three clauses in that passage or three statements that God is making um, to his son. And he's doing it publicly in front of a whole bunch of people. But the three things he basically says are, you're my son, I love you, and you make me happy. He says, you're my son, you're beloved, and I'm pleased with you, or you make me happy. Or, or other translations is the one I quoted, the NLT says, you bring me great joy. And um, I kind of, for the first time ever, felt like I had permission to, you know, to take that verse as if it applied to me. You know, I, I always saw it as something that Jesus as Heavenly Father wanted to say to him then. But for the first time, I kind of felt like I was being given permission to take it as something that my Heavenly Father wanted to say to me now. And yeah. of course, I wrestled with the theological questions of like, is that okay? Can I do that? Like, am I co-opting like this thing that that God said to Jesus? But, you know, the more I explored it, the more certain I was that, yeah, yeah, this is God's word to his sons and daughters. This is how God speaks to his sons and daughters. Jesus, firstborn of many brothers and sisters. And, um, you know, what was really interesting about it to me, and again, the other two Gospels that record this, John's Gospel doesn't record this, because John's Gospel has different priorities in mind, but all three, of the gospel, all three of the other Gospels have the same timeline, where immediately after this, where you know, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit comes down upon Jesus like a dove after he comes out of the water, and then the voice from heaven says these words, and immediately it says that he's led by the Spirit, out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil for 40 days. So this moment that we're experiencing um, in reading Mark 111 is kind of the moment right before Jesus would, would venture out into probably the second most difficult experience of his life. You know, for sure, Gethsemane and the cross uh, must rank at the top, but this is probably the second most intense and difficult experience that Jesus would face. And so I, I believe that what, we're ha what, we, what we see in Mark 111 is not just God making this public declaration of his son for, for, for our benefit, for, for the, all the bystanders to see and for the gospel writers to record, I, although I think that is the case. I think what's happening here is God is really fortifying his son because his son is about to go through something extremely difficult. And I think what he was saying to, to Jesus is, you know, things are about to get really hard and there is a brutal enemy waiting for you out there and he's not going to fight fair and it's going to get ugly and you're going to be starving and you're going to be tempted and you're going to, you're going to be ready to give in and it's going to take you right to the limits of what you can handle. And we know that it did because, you know, the, the gospel writers, writers tell us that as soon as the ordeal was over, angels rushed in to help Jesus recuperate. It took a lot out of him. But I think what we see in that moment is God further reinforcing and fortifying Jesus's identity. And I think that it's that strength of identity that allows us. And Jesus needed that as well, because Jesus, while he was God, he was in flesh and he was man. And he, he was susceptible to the same things we're susceptible to. And he, he needed the presence and the 
encouragement of his dad just as much as we all do and and so on but it really fortified jesus for what he was about to go through and um you know that's where i kind of came back to that quote from living from the heart jesus gave you that um you know the most basic human need is to be the sparkle in somebody's eye and so you have this moment where god's saying to jesus it's 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 going to be rough but i want you to remember these three things you're my son i love you and you make me happy and um, and that, it's that last part that got me. It's that you make me happy piece that really stuck with me and that I really had to wrestle with um, because um, I wondered, like, could, can that be true? Can I really make you happy? Am I, am I really a source mm. of joy for you? Because I mess up, you know, I still sin. And, you know, how, how can I be so sure? But honestly, being a dad has been a helpful part of that process because I look at my kids. I'm like, man, you blow it all the time but I still love you so much and you make me so happy. You bring a smile to my face. There is an unconditionality to love that I think I can understand. I have like an inkling of it now where I don't think I used to be able to quite grasp that quite as much. And, um, you know, and it's not like fatherhood is the only way that you can explore that, but it certainly has given me like a, it's given me like a one-to-one representation of, of what this, what this would have been like. And so, yeah, I, I, kind of wrestled through that but um it's funny how like you can know that you're his son you can know that he loves you but for some reason it's like those are things you can get at sort of the theological level but the you make me happy thing it it's it's wild just how and in, how intense the emotion around that was for me um, you know, this idea that God smiles, God smiles at my, as to my, at my existence. Cause I'm a person who likes to justify my existence through achievement and through action. And I like to prove my worth by the things that I do and the things that I produce and the way that I live. And, and, you know, I want to make God proud, but that voice made me, I, I literally used to pray often, almost daily. I would pray, Lord, please give me the strength today to make you proud. And I used to really get inspired by that. Now I look back on it and I'm like, that's not inspiring at all. That's, that's the prayer of a boy who is trying to earn something that is unearnable. And, you know, I started kind of sensing when I would pray that. And now when I look back on it, I, I kind of feel God asking the question, what makes you think I'm not? You know, what makes you think I'm not proud? What, what is it in your heart that makes you believe that that's, that that's not a reality already? Uh, and that's why I kind of, I like to pair Mark 1.11 now with Ephesians 1.5 that says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. And so for me, I'm just in this process of trying to I just don't want to go back to trying to earn the identity that God was already pleased to give me as a gift. So like yeah. I said a minute ago, it's, it's, I don't want to keep making those, you know, when, when I hear about that prayer, when I look back on that prayer of God, give me the strength today to make you proud. That is the prayer of the little nervous boy from 30 years ago that I described earlier. It's not the prayer of a person who's secure in his sonship or, you know, daughtership as the case may be for some listeners. Um, I, I kind of recognize there's a deep insecurity in that prayer. 
and um, and I'm trying to live more and more into a secure relationship with my heavenly Father, and and that means that I've got to believe that I'm loved and that I'm His son, and also that I make Him happy, not by everything that I do, but by my existence and by being His son, just by virtue of being His son, mm-hmm. you bring Him joy. Mm-hmm. So I'm just increasingly trying to believe that and trust that. And it, it's, it's amazing how like that can slowly, at least for me, I'm not going to say this is just a magical, um, like a magic bullet for everyone, for everyone's anxiety or whatever. But for me, um, since so much of my anxiety is tied up in my performance and in this perfectionism, for me, it's been really helpful and freeing because I feel like I now have permission to go through the day feeling like my perfection was not the condition on which God's love or approval of me rested. That I'm his son and I can make mistakes and that's okay. doesn't mean that he condones my mistakes and certainly doesn't mean that he accepts my sin or any of that, but that that stuff doesn't eliminate or change his disposition toward me as son because that sonship is an unchanging reality in my spiritual nature because of jesus christ and i just want to live into that more and more Mm. Uh, so much good stuff would yes i i have no doubt that like a whole ton of our listeners are saying exactly what the staff was saying in the chat of like ugh i needed this ugh me too like you know all this all that kind of stuff so doug would you mind wrapping us up by praying for people who are feeling in that kind of same place or who are maybe they're going through their own dark night um, right now and are in, in the midst of it. And so would you close us out? Yeah, for sure. Lord, thanks for being the God who um, sees in the dark and uh, enters the dark and Uh, is not scared by that. Um, Thank you, especially for being the God who's a light in the dark. And uh, like Jason said, I I just want to lift up specifically those who feel like they're in a tunnel right now, just going through a uh, intense uh, emotional, spiritual um, journey of of pain uh, or of anxiety or of Um, just struggle. Uh, And Lord, I want to give thanks that you're there. And I want them to hear and know that you're there. And I pray that they would hear in my voice uh, an assurance that uh, you are present with them and that you love them. I pray that they would uh, turn to you and know you if they haven't already, that they would welcome you into their lives and that they would, um, recognize that there is there is no light in the darkness apart from you and that if they want light that you're the source we pray that um they would feel in a way that's palpable to them your presence and the knowledge that you're close i pray that you would um for for those disciples who are listening who are going through something similar i pray that they would uh cheerfully accept the process that you are leading them through um, and that they would trust in the fact that you are in fact leading them through it. This is not just a chaotic 
uh, pain. This is not just the, the meaningless uh, suffering of life that, that they may believe it is, but that this is a process that you are redeeming for good and using to transform them uh, into your own likeness and into the fullness of Jesus Christ. We pray that you continue that process and that they would lean into it with you, trusting you as their dad, trusting that even if it hurts, that you really do have their best interest in mind and that you're producing something good out of it. And I ask that you'd bless that and bless them with a huge harvest of blessing for not giving up. And we just love you. We lift it up to you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Man, see, look, it took me <laughs> just twice in, in a one-hour recording, man. This is... Joyce is going to listen to this and be like, you cried again. (laughs) (laughs) It's all good, man. It it is a blessing to us. Seriously, thank you. One, it's just great to have you back on the show. Um, And I hope those listening got a kick out of that, just to to hear your voice coming back through the doable discipleship uh, waves. But also, Doug, thank you for sharing your heart with us, where you've been, being vulnerable, being honest, and and uh and blessing us today we really appreciate it of course my pleasure next time you have me on in a year and a half from now let's talk about something fun (laughs) i don't want to cry next time yes let's goof off the next time will be super lighthearted. we'll have so much fun all of that Um, as long as you wear that palm tree shirt again yeah man i'm trying to hey we got warm weather here in southern california i'm living right into it (laughs) amen amen well, guys, we hope that that was so encouraging and uplifting, inspiring. We, we prayed that uh, it was a moment of, um, could be a, a catalyst moment for you, trans- transformation. So um, as always, we love you. We are with you. and We will be back with you again soon. If you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. You can also listen to these episodes on YouTube. Just subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for these conversations, plus lots of other video content. And if you are already listening to us on YouTube, subscribe to the Doable Discipleship Podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Don't forget to visit saddleback.com slash doable to check out all of our previous episodes and go to saddleback.com slash grow to find spiritual growth resources and view a calendar of upcoming events lastly you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com send us your thoughts send us your questions your bible questions your life questions whatever who knows your question might just inspire an upcoming episode thanks again for tuning in to doable discipleship i'm jason whelan and i hope you'll join us again next week